You know, this Christmas, we are camping in a single verse to share this whole Christmas story this season. And it's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, which reads this, For unto you is born this day. Everyone say, this day. For unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So for unto you is born, we did last week, so we're going to hone in on these two words today, this day. Because life is full of just days. Today could be a just day for you, or it actually could be a this day. This day are defined by their focus. They're they're different because, again, the word this brings a degree of focus, that there's something about this day that is separated from the other's days, that makes it unique, that makes it special, in some cases, which makes it gut-wrenching and difficult. But the word this, again, is this word of focus. And I love in John, in 1 John, there is this word this that describes the love of God. And it's the story of Christmas. This is what John says in 1 John verses 4 to 9. You're not going to find it on the screens because I just added it four minutes ago. So in this, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world. So in this, in this, John is saying, This is what God's love looks like. It's not this ooey-gooey thing that just floats out into the cosmos and we can call it whatever we want. No, in this, in this tremendous act of God sending his son, in this the love of God was made manifest amongst us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might, everybody say might, so that we might live through him. It doesn't say so that we will, it says that we might. So there is a part that we play in this process of living into what God has for us. Now, when you think about this day or a this day, there are those that are planned. By a show of hands this morning, even if you're new, how many of you have a birthday? Can I see your hands, please? Okay, some of you still won't raise your hand there, even though we all know you have a birthday because we're sitting here... Logic would dictate you have a birthday. Hopefully your birthday doesn't catch you by surprise every year. Right? Because you know the day. Like however long you've been living, every 365 days from that day, it shows up again. Right? So it's, it's not this unplanned, it's planned. Okay? Now this does not apply to all of you, but it does apply to some of you. How many of you have an anniversary? I'm not going to ask you what it is, just how many of you have one? Is this ringing again? No, it's good. Okay, yeah, okay, you have an anniversary. That's a day that you should know. <laughs> if you forget it once, it will only happen once. But it's a day that you should know. It's a this day, it's an important day, but it's planned. In other words, again, you can see it coming. It's not unplanned. Christmas is a day that comes every single year on what day? December. Some of you just, it's not a trick question, by the way. Like, my gosh, you're like, C, I'll take C. No, it's not C, or it's just, unless C was December 25th. Every year, like December 25th is Christmas Day. It's Christmas Day. So there are days that are planned that you can, they're on your calendar. You know that they're coming. They're there. I'm not saying you're always going to hit it out of the park on those days, but they're, they're planned. They're there. 
There are those types of this days. So if I go back to the anniversary just for a moment, again, if your anniversary is a planned day, but how many of you know that the day you met your future spouse was an unplanned day, but a significant one? Now, unless it's an arranged marriage, then it's a planned day, and that's a different conversation, okay? That's all around the world. There's two types of marriages, planned and unplanned. But most in North America, or I shouldn't even say most, but many in North America, their life is the day you met your spouse. You didn't know that maybe you met the person of your dreams, even though maybe you desired it. I've told this story a million times. I told it recently. I'll tell it again. When I met Lori, I saw her walking across a football field, and I said, there goes my baby. (laughs) No, I didn't. I didn't, but I remember driving away. The very, see, I met Lori when we were 16, and we didn't, nothing happened. And so I remember driving away in the back of a Dodge Caravan with my friend, and his sisters were driving, and they put on a, a CD, because those were real back then. They put on a, a CD of Phil Collins. That is the worst music to listen to when you're sad, by the way. And they're playing groovy kind of love. (laughs) And I promised my little heart, and I said, next year, if I come back to this camp, I will walk across that field. And that next year, I saw her again. And I said, this is, this is a this day. (laughs) This is the day the Lord has made. (laughs) And and, I'm going to rejoice in it. And I'm going to make her glad. That's the complete wrong context for that verse. <laughs> but I, I said, Lori, and a couple of days in, I said, I love you. And she said, that's nice. <laughs> Which as a father, I think, is a completely appropriate response. As a boyfriend, it was crushing. But as a father, I would say, well done. But have you ever noticed that whether it is in a beautiful way or whether it is in a painful way, have you ever noticed that there are most of the this day moments in our lives are unplanned? They're just, they're not found on a calendar. More appropriately, let me say this, they're not found on your calendar. And in the mystery of the words that I'm going to articulate, and I'm not saying that God causes it, But we cannot say that God knows all things and is caught by surprise. So there are these days that are not on our calendar, but they're on his. Not that he causes them, but he is not caught by surprise on this day. These unplanned days that change our lives forever. Before the arrival of Jesus, there were 108 prophecies about a coming Messiah. And between a prophecy and a plan, God always gives you a season of preparation. Let me say that again. Between a prophecy, which is foreshadowing what is coming, and a plan coming to fruition, God always gives you a season of preparation. But here's what's incredible. We often don't know what the season of preparation is for. 
We oftentimes don't distinguish the little moments along the way in terms of what God is doing. Looking back, sure, we can connect some dots a little better, but when we're in the moment, sometimes it's hard to grab the wholeness of what this season of preparation is. And again, there are 108 prophecies about um, that we're talking about a coming Messiah. In 1958, renowned Mathematician and astronomy professor Peter Stoner studied and calculated the chances of the fulfillment of eight. Everybody say of eight. Of, so first of all, of all these messianic prophecies. And what he found is the probability of eight out of 108. Not 108, but eight out of 108. The probability of all of those to come to pass in a single person was one 100 quadrillion. That was the probability of it happened. And here's what I need you to know, that God did not fill eight out of the 108. He filled every, fulfilled every single one of them in the person of Jesus Christ. Because there's something about God and odds that don't seem to jive. Because there's our plans, there's our calendar, there's our timeline, and then there's his. And sometimes those things sync up in moments that create these kairos moments. And sometimes they're planned, but most times they are unplanned. Preceding the story that we're going to talk about today, which is in the Christmas story, preceding it was 400 years of silence. You ever feel like you go through a dry spell where God's not speaking to you? How about 400 years, says a culture? In that moment, standing on the word of who God has forever declared himself to be. But there is this barren couple, and I said that intentionally. Remember, there's this Jewish couple. If you know anything about the Jewish faith, you can go to a man by the name of Abram, who's very, very significant in the, in the, in the Christian Bible, but comes out of the root of Judaism. His name's Abram, or we know as Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, they were barren, and they could not have children whatsoever. They were advanced in age. And God says to them, I am going to make you a blessing for many nations, actually for all the nations of the world. So there's first God chooses a person in terms of Abram, and then it becomes this family, and then it becomes a people group. And then one day all the world gets grafted in. We as Gentiles get grafted in as well. And so when God is going to do this story, he picks a barren couple, again, because for all of the children of Israel, this would be similar to the story of how God moves. It would be this beautiful identifier that God often uses the backdrop of the impossible to do extraordinary things in our hearts and lives. And here's this couple again, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They, she is barren and he is a priest. And they have no idea, they have no idea that an unplanned day is about to become a this day moment in their life. And it says this, now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot. So it feels like here he was chosen by chance, but how many know there's no chance in God? He is chosen here by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. That's what it says in Luke chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And as I said a moment ago, God often uses the backdrop of impossible and ordinary to move in extraordinary ways. And Zechariah was simply doing his job. There's two ways I think you can look at the story of Zechariah. One is that he was a priest, so he was simply doing his job, which would have been in the ordinary of what he did. 
ordinary of what he functioned in, and God's going to move in this space. I think there's one way that you can look at the story this way, but there's another way I think that you can look at it. Is there something significant about just being in the house, just being in God's presence, just being in, in this case, in the temple that was significant? I think there's two ways you can look at the story. One is very ordinary, and one could be in the significance of being in the house. But Zechariah was simply doing his job, like you and I do every single day. Your job may be to go to school. Your job may be an actual job or a career. It may be one that you love. It may be one that you hate. I have absolutely no idea. You may be in a place where you're asking God for another job, for an assignment, whatever it happens to be. Again, there are all these things that happen. How many of you in your life have ever had something significant happen to you that was unplanned, but when it happened, brought definition to something in your life and it's your answer? Yeah, 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 all one of us. So here's Zechariah. He's having one of those days. And in the ordinary, everybody say the ordinary. In the ordinary of this day, again, it seems like it's just by lot that he has chosen to go in, but God has it planned. It's going to be a Kairos moment where his plans, unbeknownst to him, are going to sync up with what God desires to do. There had been about 400 years of silence And then it's this intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And now all of a sudden, God is going to begin to move. In Luke chapter 1, verses 11 to 13, it says, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled. Here's the better word for when it says he's troubled. He was terrified. He was absolutely terrified when he saw him. And it says fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, what do the angels always say? The same words, don't be, don't be. There's terrifying things. You know, so again, some of you often pray, I just want to see into the supernatural realm. I pray every day, Lord, I don't want to see into it. Or if you let me see into it, God, would you then speak the next word and let my heart be still. Let me not be afraid. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. And then it said this, for your prayer has been heard. Underline that, highlight that. For your prayer has been heard. Aren't you glad that you and I serve a God who hears and answers prayer? That he's not deaf to what it is that we call out for. And then here's what it says. So it says that, don't be afraid, for your prayer has been heard. Now he was in the temple. He was in this priest. He's offering prayers on behalf of the people. But that's not the prayer that God is speaking about. Because in the next line it says, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Ah, that's the prayer that they have been praying. In the midst of their impossibility, in the midst of them absolutely not seeing God do what he can do, week after week, month after month, year after year, she is barren, and they as a couple have been praying to the Lord for 400 years. God has seemingly been silent, but yet still active in listening and working. There is hope in the midst of the mystery of the Christmas story that just because it feels like your prayer hits the ceiling and bounces down, Your prayer being heard is not rooted in your feeling. It is rooted in his faithfulness. His faithfulness to be who he has forever declared himself to be. For your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you will call his name John, who becomes John the Baptist. Okay? Again, your prayer has been heard. That which you have prayed about has been heard and is being answered on this day. Everybody say this day. 
You know, this day for them was a very significant day for Zechariah and for Elizabeth. It was an ordinary day where they were just doing what they do. But in this day, God chose to bring an answer to a prayer that they had been praying day in, day out, week in and week out, month in and month out. And you can continue to fill the trajectory in there. We never know what day. We never know what day could be a this day. We never know that if this Sunday could be that Sunday for someone. Did you know that since July, did you know that since July, 77 people have given their lives to Christ? Since July. Since July. Think back to July. How many services can you remember what we even talked about? Not going to ask you. I can't even remember what we talked about in a lot of instances. But how many of you know that every single Sunday is someone's this day where things change? Did you know? Did you know that in other people's lives, they are seeing God do extraordinary things? I know Paul and Nicole, you guys sent out a, a little update, not a little update, an update in terms of what God is doing. Paul had the privilege of being in Calgary, seeing God do extraordinary things where not just ones and twos, but tens and twenties give their lives to Jesus for the very first time. Did you know that in 2019, don't listen to social media, listen to the Spirit of God. Did you know that there are more people coming to faith in Christ every single day in our time? You won't find it on CBC, CTV, or social media, but it is happening all around us. There is a move of the Holy Spirit that is occurring all around the world. And if your heart is not tuned to the story of heaven, then you're just going to live ordinary and natural and not seize there are these this day moments all around us. But here's the thing. They're not on your calendar. And they don't always show up with angels. They often don't, at least that you can see. One time I got a flat tire on the 401 and I pulled off, you know, obviously I pulled on the side of the road because I had a flat tire. And instantly a tow truck was behind me. I know. <laughs> and they jumped out, changed my tire for free. So nice, right? Let me go back on the road. And then I met Lori in Oakville, and her, I remember her, her dad said to me, well, like, do you think those might have been angels? And I said to him, well, I don't, I don't know if it's a, maybe, but I don't know if only angels are allowed to curse the way these guys were cursed. I don't, <laughs> like, maybe we have that wrong, and it's all good, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so, because they mentioned Jesus a lot, but not from like a, not from like a place of worship, but. But the scripture does say that we've entertained angels and we don't even know it, right? It's amazing. True story. Hanging out with some foul-mouthed angels. Oh, boy. In the Bible, there are so many this day type moments. In Matthew, Jesus said, and this is a word of the Lord for someone in here today, do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough for you to focus on. <laughs> Hebrew says today. Everybody say today. today. Another way we would say today is this day. 
is the day of salvation. Don't harden your hearts. The psalmist said, he is our God and we are his people if today we hear his voice. You see, there is something sobering to understand this Christmas season, and it's this. While a this day moment can't be scheduled, can be missed. Missed because we fail to make room for God to move. In our story, watch how Zechariah responds. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Which is a really, that is such a man question. Think about it. Your wife is going to bear you a son. Well, how will I know this? I'm sure the angel paused and went, well, why don't you just wait and see if you can figure out over the next nine months if anything changes in Elizabeth. Men, we've always been men. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years, which he should not have said. <laughs> he could have stopped that I am an old man. Not politically correct. They were back then. They weren't Canadians. They weren't, you know, no difference. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. Everybody say good news. You know, Andy Stanley is a pastor in Alfreda, um, Georgia. And many of you grew up, and the central question that you had to contend with in culture was, is the gospel true? And we still have to contend with that, co- that question today. But you know what more and more and more and more and more is being pushed upon the gospel is not just, is it true? Is, is it good? That's one of the wrestles of our kind, of our time, is, is this gospel good? And all throughout the Christmas story, you know what you're going to continually see? That it's good news, that it's good news, that it's good news, that it's good news. It's good news. And behold, everyone say behold. Here's what the angel says to Zechariah. Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in what? In their time, not your time. In their time. And later in Luke, here's what we see Jesus say. We're talking here in this message just right now about missing moments. Here's what Jesus said. And when he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. Pause. Isn't it amazing that a God who knows all things can still enter into a moment fully and weep? The God who knows the whole story from the beginning of the end still can enter into a moment of humanity and weep. It is why when you see words like this, if you ever utter the words, God, do you even care? Do you even see You need to circle moments like this in Scripture so that you can remind yourself of the truth and the goodness of God. That sometimes he enters into these places knowing all things and still weeps. Would that you, even you, had known on this day. There's another one that Jesus said, it's this day. 
the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you, just as Jesus speaking prophetically, and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground. And this was fulfilled, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you, dot, dot, dot. Here's what Jesus said, because you did not know the time. You did not know the day. You did not seize the, this day of your visitation. In the book of Esther, visitation is understood as for such a time as this. You did not see the preparation that was leading to this moment. In other words, that we can be so conditioned by the ordinary that we can't see the extraordinary. The video that we showed um, just a few moments ago after the kids did their ba 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 he he ha ha after their kids did all that. Rule number one in church life: never follow kids. You lose. Weren't they beautiful? Oh, I loved it. Yep. Nine of you agreed. That's great. Um, what are you, Scrooge this morning? Oh, my goodness. Anyways, so there's this beautiful moment where we show you this video of the, that just lights and shoes. And it's not to shame us, but how many of you know those are extraordinary blessings that we get? Yeah, they're not, it's not to shame us. It's to illustrate, not because we're bad people, but because of our humanity, we quickly... We quickly take amazing things for granted. They just become natural things, ordinary things. We can be so conditioned by the ordinary that we fail to see the extraordinary. We can be so desensitized that we can't see what is happening right under our noses. So in closing, which means nothing, how do we not miss these or this day type moments that are unplanned? Two keys, one from the old and one from the new. Both evident abundantly in the life of Colonel Alex Tupper. The first is this. How do you not miss moments? Live honorably today. Respect is earned. Honor is given. Honor is this significant thing that is often measured in very small things. Honor is sometimes holding your tongue. Honor sometimes is not talking to others about it talking to the person about it. Honor, honor. When we live our lives with honor, it is a season of preparation that oftentimes is holy, that sets apart for what God not only has prophesied, but for what he has planned. In my life, at the age of 22 or 23, maybe 24, I don't remember. I don't remember the specific day, but I remember the day like it was yesterday. I was sitting right where Pastor Lori is sitting, where I kind of always sit. And we had a speaker who had a prophetic gift 
and he was in the church. It was a Sunday night. And he turned and he began to give me this prophetic word. And everybody in the church at the end of the word clapped. And I just felt like, oh, oh my goodness. And he turned to the church and said, I wouldn't clap at a word like that. That would scare the heaven out of me. Now, if you're new to church, you can substitute the word heaven for another word. And that's like the way the Christians kind of shock. But he was basically saying that there's a weight to it. In other words, between the prophetic word and the moment in 2007 where hands were laid upon me, there was this season of preparation. And it was a season of preparation where I can look back and I can see that God was continuing to refine and refine my character, that where I lived honorably, he continued to push. And where I lived dishonorably, he continued to bring correction. Because again, honor's not the same thing as respect. Honor, honor is something that you and I can choose. We can choose to honor other cultures or we can choose to dishonor other cultures. We can choose to honor authority or dishonor authority. There used to be a time, again, where we could disagree with one another without demonizing and destroying one another. There used to be a time and culture where you could you could disagree with someone politically rather than putting the F word on the back and then the last name of the prime minister. I don't care what political party you live in. That is a spirit of dishonor in a nation that does nothing but destroy a nation. Nothing. I'm not saying what, what, who you vote for. I don't care who you voted for. I'm not trying to get political. I'm just saying there's a way in which... We live that is honorable. There is no dishonorable way to do honorable things. And when I looked at the life of Colonel Tupper, he understood this through and through and through. Not only as a man in the military, but as a man of God. 1 Peter 2 verse 12 says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see that your good deeds, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day. Everybody say the day. On the day, there it is again, of visitation. Living honorably does not mean we escape hardship, but it is the hardship that often makes us more like Jesus. And this I know, which I don't know much, but this I do. Living honorably makes small degree shifts that make a huge difference over the course of our lives and in our lives. But the final thing I would say is this, and this was evident in the life of Mr. Tupper. He did not only live honorably, he did that. Living honorably is not living perfectly. None of us are capable of that feat. But honor also admits when we're wrong with humility. But the second is this, two keys not to miss this day, this last one, is look heavenward today. Because living honorably is something that we can do. Looking heavenly positions you to see what God is doing. Because your direction is determined by your vision. Does anybody here ever drive a vehicle? Learn to drive a vehicle? What do they tell you when you're learning to drive? Don't stare at something because if you stare at it, what do you do? You, right, you drive, you kind of steer into it. Look heavenward so you can steer into it. Our direction, again, is determined by our vision. Watch how Elizabeth responds to this moment. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. 
and for five months she kept herself hidden. Smart woman. Saying, thus the Lord, pause, thus the Lord, who? The Lord has done for me in the days, and it says this, when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. She has a this day moment where he looks on her. You got it? Let's go back to what we just talked about earlier, though. But the angel said, your prayers have been answered. So there's many occasions where Zechariah and Elizabeth were looking heavenward throughout their lives. In the this day moment, God hits. But in the secret place, in the silence, in the seeming unanswered prayer, this is where it takes faith to look heavenward. Two weeks ago, I had the privilege of praying for Colonel Tupper in my office. He came and sat down. And I stumbled and bumbled through a prayer. And in a whisper, this is what he said. And they're the last words that I've heard him say. You are good. I worship you. You are my God. Live honorably and look heavenly, heavenward or heavenly. Because without question, God sees you on your best day and on your worst day. And what is in question? is can you see God moving in your life? Will you make room in your heart like Alex and countless others? Will you trade the simple, ordinary perhaps, of your story? Will you trade it to live for something far greater and that is for his glory? Zachariah did, Elizabeth did, and so can we because of the person of Jesus Christ. Will you today make room?